Hello everybody, my name is Nolan Brewer. Welcome to episode 6 of Melody Makers. Today I'm interviewing Max Duggan, a musician Hi. and composer who's worked on indie games and films such as Mini Metro and Outer Wilds. He's released his own EP like Windfall and his most recent one, Sleepy Songs. He has a single out, Hillside Dreams, featuring Mark Sparling, who did a music for A Short Hike. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, uh, my name is Max Duggan. <laughs> I'm shocked you pronounced my name correctly. That's really nice. Everyone says Dugan. Um, oh, really? so, yeah, I appreciate that. I don't know why <laughs> people think that. Um, but yeah, I'm a video game composer and songwriter from Chicago. And yeah, said I've worked on Mini Metro. Um, uh, I was on the audio team for the Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye DLC. Um, did some remixing for a short hike. And I'm audio director at a new game studio called Ephemeral Cube. Yeah, excited awesome. to be on here. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're on here too. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I've actually, I've been listening to a lot of your music and I checked the other day on my Spotify and it said you're one of my favorite artists right now. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's very flattering. Now we can get into the questions. Okay, sounds good. So how did you get started into making music, Max? Um, into making music or working on games and stuff specifically? Just music. Or both. Or, oh, just or music? Both. Yeah. Um, for music in general, uh, I grew up playing Zelda Wind Waker. Um, and I loved that in that in Ocarina of Time, you could kind of learn music in the game. So I always wanted to learn the songs in game in real life as well. So I would sit next to my GameCube with my guitar and then just learn like Song of Storms and um, like all the little melodies that you'd use to get around Wind Waker and Ocarina of Time. And yeah, that was kind of my intro to it. Um, so yeah, I think I, I grew up on like kind of the Zelda soundtrack, but then also like very death metal and Metallica, like Van Halen type stuff. And now I write very like cozy anime indie game music <laughs> i don't know how i made that <laughs> transition um but uh the actual i guess intro to the industry was uh i went to japan the summer of my sophomore year of college when i was a psychology major and uh my younger brother wanted to go to this weird touristy thing where you make fake ice cream out of wax i didn't want to go with them but my mom was like no you have to go with them. <laughs> so we went together and uh there's only one other family there and uh, it happened to be uh, uh one of them happened to be one of the creators of halo oh wow. um so yeah i freaked out um and told him that i was a huge fan he's uh i believe the animation director and uh i told him i read a lot of music and he asked if i would ever want to score a video game I'm like hell yeah, yeah. of course <laughs> so he introduced me to mario o'donnell who did halo's soundtrack and uh we talked for a long time and he convinced me to switch my major and then um he also introduced me to this guy brian hensley who uh, was one of the sound designers for Halo who had just moved to Chicago where I grew up and live currently. And um, he uh, had an internship at his studio, so I applied for that and then kind of got that going. And that was kind of what got the ball rolling with it was that internship and like meeting Marty and everyone. But um, yeah, that's awesome. very serendipitous. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Did Do you think that really helped you with getting more jobs as a composer oh yeah totally i, I wouldn't have a... 
oh. my career if I didn't run into like his name. His name. Oh no, you're good. We're good. Is it going? Yeah, we're good. It just glitched like, yeah. out for it. Like, <laughs> no, we're good. Keep going. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it totally. I I wouldn't have a career if it weren't for. Um, Steve was the name of the guy I met in Japan, but um, yeah, if it weren't for him, I'd probably be pursuing my master's in psychology right now. Like I didn't get into Berkeley College of Music and I wasn't like, I always wanted to do music, but I wasn't sure how I would do it at that point. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll study to be a therapist instead or something. But um, yeah, ever since then, like, I mean, everything changed. And then I, um, I met uh, my friend Akash, who's a sound designer on like Hyperlight Drifter. And then um, he introduced me to Disaster Piece. And uh, after like Mini Metro, that that's what really got the ball rolling. And um, yeah, now I'm here. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think you're in the future that you'll do any more music for films as well? Oh, um, I don't know. I really want to. I did... I did more of that in college because I was technically in like a film school. Um, so I have some features on like Amazon prime and I've been like 40 film festivals now. So I'd like wow. to continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's cool. I've been able to see stuff in theaters and that's been a cool experience and I, I want to do it again. Um, but it's been mostly shorts for that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know. Film's just so much more stressful than games. Uh, I found at least, Overall, like it's a much faster paced industry, at least in my experience. Um, but uh, I would love to score something like an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or like a 500 Days of Summer or something like that. So like some really like orchestral indie artsy film would be like the dream for me. So I, I'd love to jump into film again if I can. But Nice. Yeah. Do you have any kind of big goals more films or games that maybe there's a big project you want to work on eventually? Um, hmm. I have a lot of big goals to be honest. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the main one would be. I, hmm. All right, that's a t <laughs> I don't know why that's a tough question for me. <laughs> um, I, my goal is I want to combine like the singer songwriter, indie artist stuff with my film and video game composition. Like I want to be known as the composer that bridges the gaps between both. So I would like to hit a point where I'm known not only for video game stuff, but also film stuff and singer songwriter stuff. And as someone who kind of exists in all of those worlds. I think that would be my end goal for all this, or one of the big ones. How do you describe your music to someone who isn't a fan yet? Um, hmm. I call it in, uh, I call it indie orchestral. I guess I haven't seen that term going around too much, so maybe I should revise it or go into it. I don't know, but um, it's uh, I think yeah, indie orchestral kind of kind of like cozy, wholesome game type music. I think I kind of go between both of those worlds and so I, think, I don't know what would you call it yeah i'd say that yeah i think that fits perfectly actually okay cool i'm glad <laughs> i actually i saw on your profile of spotify you had a couple of playlists and one of them was indie orchestral music and i was listening oh to so oh cool <laughs> i think it matches a lot of the the vibe that you're going for yeah, I'm trying to push that branding a bit because um, there aren't that many people I know, at least personally, who are doing like the 
Um, like I know a lot of like giant orchestra composers um, and I know a lot of like indie rock singer songwriter people, but I don't know too many people who are doing the kind of like indie rock stuff, but also with like live string ensembles and things like that. So I don't know. I've been trying to just kind of collect all the artists that I find in that realm and throw them into the playlist. So I want to make a scene of it. I think it'd be super cool. Like I want to do live shows with like string ensembles and stuff someday have, so. have you performed live yeah. previously for any of your original songs um i i've kept it super on the down low but i have <laughs> um but um i yeah there's this um this coffee place um called ashberries that's in the chicago suburbs uh that i grew up going to and it's quite the drive now but um they have all these like crazy open mic nights where it's a mix of like some like genuinely cool music performances, but also like um, like people like get drunk and just cry about their lives at this open mic. Um, it's it's really weird, and the whole place is supposed to be haunted and stuff. It's on like one of oh, the wow. most haunted roads in America and stuff. Yeah, and even like I'm usually yeah I'm usually skeptical of that stuff, but even I've seen some weird shit. There, but um. Anyway, so uh, basically, it's a very no judgment venue. So I do yeah. a lot of acoustic <laughs> sets there to like test out material before I put it on Spotify <laughs> and things like that. And then I, I've been doing more Instagram live stuff. Um, but uh, I want to amp it up. I have like um, I have some stuff I've been putting together that's like blending kind of the mini metro video game stuff with my live orchestra stuff, and it's been super hard to figure out how to do that live without an orchestra and stuff but i think i have something so fingers crossed i'm gonna demo it out probably relatively soon well that sounds super exciting thank you (laughs) what was the significant learning experience that you've had that helped you grow as an artist um significant learning experience uh trying to think i think uh, getting the disaster piece internship and having to just adapt to so much random stuff that I'd never been exposed to before um, really kind of shaped me as an artist of like, I have to be able to mold myself in a lot of different ways, but still kind of maintain my style uh, when it comes to working in games and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, when I, uh, which you know later turned into an assistant position with Rich. But when I first met him, it was uh, just this internship. And one of the first things he pitched to me was he wanted to make like a Spotify version of the Mini Metro soundtrack. And I was like, I've never worked with procedurally generated music before, and I never even knew what that was. Um, so I, I I hit this point where I'm like, oh, I could steer it towards other stuff and be like, oh, maybe you know I could help you with these other things that he pitched but i'm like no that's super weird and niche and interesting so i'm like i even if this is unfamiliar territory to me i want to go all in on this and uh so yeah i did i kind of developed my own system of how i could build these songs for him and then that worked with us like kind of collaborating and building uh like a formula for it and um yeah i think that was a huge learning experience how would you describe procedurally generated music I don't know. <laughs> it's I guess it well with Mini Metro it's everything's made in game so I guess hmm. um I guess music that's kind of made or generated on the spot reacting to its environment is the best way I'd put it. So the way Mini Metro works is we kind of set uh 
parameter or a bunch of parameters of like, okay, the music can generate with these rhythms, with these notes and chord sequences, um, at these tempos, there's a set tempo for like the kind of the main mode and then the sped up mode. Um, so it essentially generates a new soundtrack every time you play the game. And like, like, just a disclaimer, like Disaster Piece designed the system. Like he is an absolute genius. Like I could not build that from the ground up, but I know how to work it uh, because he's taught me. Um, but um, yeah, I think that would be the crux of it. I guess music that kind of generates based off its environment and is made on the spot. But yeah, it's a cool medium to be in. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I don't think yeah. you should sell yourself short because I haven't heard of procedurally generated music before. <laughs> yeah it was yeah it, like i i'd never seen something like mini metro before he told me about it and like i haven't seen many things like it since aside from like paradise marsh like other things that rich has worked on or like kind of had me do little assistant roles on but um yeah it's super cool and especially with kind of ai jumping into the music industry and stuff i feel like it's going to become more prevalent so I've been taking more projects in kind of an adaptive slash procedurally generated music space. And that's been a fun but odd niche to be in. I didn't expect that to be <laughs> like my branding. <laughs> but, yeah. I was wondering, speaking of AI, do you think that using AI as a tool in music could be really beneficial? Oh, yeah, totally. I'm not against like having AI composers or assistant composers anything i think uh i'm really excited to try that stuff out to be honest i mean because like mini metro was um that's what it felt like to be honest like it wasn't us like sitting down with synthesizers like in um like writing those or recording those ambient scores it was more like um i'm trying to think of like the best way to put it um so basically rich gave me the code for mini metro and then like i um I would edit it to make sure everything could be cohesive. And then I would play through the game and record my playthroughs and then using like additional stems and sound effects and um, like other assets that Rich gave me, I would splice it all together. And that's how you get tracks like Shinkansen on Reflections of Mini Metro. So it felt kind of like Rich and I working with kind of this, I don't know. It's not completely artificial intelligence, but it was like it was a machine generating, you know, some of the melodies and stuff for us. So I don't know. I'd love to do more stuff like that in the future. I think that'd be sick. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. Or actually, we talked about this previously. We've talked about Andrew. Hong oh, yeah. And Andrew true. Huang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen his videos where he has his his giant synth on in the background and it's just oh the modular one yeah yeah the modular and i feel like a yeah. lot of that stuff is kind of similar it's like you can you can kind of do that music with hardware too which i think is really cool yeah and that experimentation i think leads to some of the coolest results and stuff too like yeah if you could get procedurally generated hardware that would be unbelievable yeah I've, I've wanted to go down the modular synth route i have some friends who have done that but also it's like it's really expensive too <laughs> yeah it's so expensive and yeah. it's so crazy i'm like yeah my friend um my friend eric um oh you'd probably know his name from like uh he did windfall. the yeah Bopods remix yeah and windfall um he's a sound designer at bungie and we've been friends since uh since we're like eight years old i think but yeah uh -huh. he's like re recently delved into that and he was like breaking down like 
uh, the pricing for all his little synth units. I'm like, I don't know if I like, I'm like, I could fly to Japan for like the amount of like the synth. I don't know, but it's cool. Maybe, yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a lot cheaper to actually do it virtually at this point in time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any mentors that helped shape your worldview as a composer? Oh yeah, I mean you'd probably a disaster piece, of course, and then um, uh, Akash Sakar. Um, he's been more um, well. Akash and Rich have been like, um, I mean, even like outside of game audio stuff, they have just been some of the most wonderful, kindest, supportive people in my entire life. So they've really shaped my career in so many ways. Um, but uh, one that I don't think I'm associated with as much as so I don't think many people know, but um, Bad Snacks, uh, uh, Jesse Hansen, she's, uh, if you've watched Four Producers, One Sample, because you mentioned Andrew Huang, you've probably seen her. She was on the episode with uh, Virtual Riot. Um, but she has been such like a wonderful mentor to me. Um, and uh, yeah, she's taught me so much of what I know about production. She's the reason I add vocals on songs now like i was too nervous too and she would like really push me and uh like berate me on it like no you have to add vocals to this track i know you're <laughs> avoiding it and, like help me push past like these mental barriers i had um and she just really gets what i'm going for musically i have in my spotify description she called like some of my early demos like you sound like an indie rock band from stardew valley i'm like yeah that's exactly what i want i want to be indie rock and i want to be <laughs> video games so um yeah, she has been such a massive influence. Uh, and I'm very lucky to have people like her, Rich and Akash, uh, and helping me out with all this stuff. I'm <laughs> really glad you started singing because your songs are really good where you sing. And I listened to, oh, I, listened to I think it's called Where the... the uh, where the Plains Become Stars. Yeah, and there's another um, yeah. one called... It starts with a C. Oh, Cerulean. Cerulean. Yeah. yeah, they're both really good. Yeah. Thank I, you. I loved how you blended guitar with orchestra, and it's just so cool to see you experiment with that stuff. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Cerulean was um that was my first song with vocals ever, and uh, yeah, that was the one that Jesse like forced me <laughs> to do vocals on because yeah, I had like an indie rock version of it, and then like a film score version, and like I kept we were meeting up every week just on Zoom. Um, and I was showing her all these demos and she was like, Max, you're doing literally everything except adding your voice to it. Like, <laughs> do not call me next week until you do this. And I, I literally, I locked myself in my room with like my voice memo going and an acoustic guitar. And after five hours, I had like something <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here, this is it. And that's like how the kind of acoustic orchestra version came out today. But yeah, I'm glad you liked those planes was like, the first time I'd recorded something with the orchestra, like in, or like the string players, it wasn't a full orchestra yet, but um, like actually in, in the studio with me, it was usually remote recordings. And that was just such a surreal experience, but yeah. I also saw for your Spotify header, you had a, a little like 3D model of a plane and there were stars. It looks really oh cool. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my um, my friend Logan, uh, Logan Himango, he's a brilliant, uh, graphic designer and animator and yeah I've been having him mock up a bunch of stuff for this next set of songs so it's been super cool nice. <laughs> I try to make the art match the music very well like I want that to be like just as powerful so yeah I'm glad you noticed that stuff <laughs> yeah from what I've seen it looks really good thank you <laughs> yeah which bands or musicians did you listen to growing up 
I actually saw though from one of your playlists that you like postal service, I think. Oh yeah. And I feel they're... like maybe you got some inspiration from them. Oh, do you hear that? And I think stuff? maybe. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, they they're um yeah, Postal Service slash like Death Cab for Cutie because they have the same singer. They're my favorite band ever. I adore them so much. I got to finally see them live um like two months ago, I think it was. Um and it was insane because they said they're I had tickets to what was supposed to be their last show ever in Chicago ten years ago. <laughs> and um I had to miss it that night and I was devastated and watched the live stream like in tears. And then, um, yeah, then they announced their 20-year reunion that they're going to play. My two favorite albums by both bands, uh, Give Up and Transatlanticism, front to back. So my friend Liam and I went, and I was just, like, sobbing (laughs) the whole time. It was so good. Um, But, yeah, them, uh, Tudor Cinema Club, influenced my guitar playing more than anything else. Um, And uh, uh, I love the Sundays. Um, But the biggest, I think... Um, the ones that I never stop talking about are uh, Porter Robinson and Madion. Um, yeah, I love I, Porter Robinson. I think I'm the biggest Porter Robinson fan on the <laughs> planet. I'm willing to go on record saying I probably shouldn't go on record <laughs> saying that. I would. Yeah, I. He is like my absolute hero. Um, he's one so, of mine too. Yeah, yeah. I've been hoping he's super into games, and like we have we have some friends in common. I've hoped we'd cross paths at some point. <laughs> um yeah i um yeah i've listened to worlds and nurture just like non-stop and um yeah i even just as like a i don't know i listen to his interviews to like motivate me me too me too um, yeah i was watch, actually um, doing it the other day which ones do you watch i saw one there was one it was like this radio host and he was talking about zach sang yeah zach sang yeah. That, one. <laughs> that, one's so good. that was really good he talks about yeah. how he worked on league and kind of he talks about a lot of good stuff obviously yeah yeah i almost reached out to zach saying to tell him just how like brilliant that interview <laughs> <laughs> was. Um, yeah that in his uh world's live stream on twitch is so good not i don't think as many people have seen that one but um it's uh yeah, it's it's so good. He just walks through like every single world song and the meaning behind them while he's playing a bunch of like MMORPGs. And I like <laughs> I've watched it like forty times. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that he got into streaming. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was super cool. And that one was like back when he was, I think, like twenty two. So it was a like it was a while back. Um, and then he didn't stream for years. But yeah, now he's been doing like all the VR streams, which has been like so much fun. To watch but yeah yeah he's he's so cool yeah it's awesome that we have that in common yeah so we talked a little bit about what working on mini metro is like has that process changed for other games like outer wilds um outer wilds and i was only on like the dlc and it was very very small role to be honest but um that was uh still really cool i don't know Oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know, like, to be totally real with you, I don't know how much of my stuff actually made it in. It was like, um, it was basically like Akash hit me up and I was going on a camping trip with, um, like, just a bunch of my friends from college. And he was just like, could you record a bunch of forest sounds? 
um, while you're out there and I, and then just a bunch of random effects. And I was just like, sure. So I just handed him like this giant library of stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he used any of it. I don't know if it made it, but I am in the credits. So, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's, that's why I talk about mini Metro more than the other one. But, um, but yeah, as far as, I don't know, mini Metro has been different from any other game that I've like game or film that I've ever worked on. Cause, um, it's such a, like, everything else I've been actively, like, composing for. You know, it's not, like, kind of running things through a system and then editing it from there. But um, on um, the title right now is Project Timmy, Sasha's Curse, but for the studio Ephemeral Cube that I'm at right now, um, some stuff I've taken from Mini Metro is, like, this game has an adaptive music system. So because uh, I worked on, you know, the previous, like, Mini Metro cities and stuff, I've been kind of able to take that and apply some of the concepts there of just finding points to like change you know like for example if like something happens in a boss fight if you get like swung at for example the music will adapt to that and kind of build a new melody around that so i've taken basic principles of mini metro and applied it to this new adaptive music system it's not not the entire thing is generated on the spot it's like i write the music and then we which which melodies can go in at certain times but still at a fundamental level some similar concepts and stuff this is just a random thought but i'm wondering what it'd be like if there is adaptive music in film that'd be oh yeah interesting i think yeah like a kind of um uh what was that old netflix thing like bandersnatch or whatever it was like a choose your own adventure i need to make sure i got that title right (laughs) that sounds weirdly familiar (laughs) <laughs> yeah there was a netflix film where you could like choose your own adventure in it kind of um but yeah i don't think the music reacted or music definitely didn't react in that way but yeah no that would be super cool i don't know how you'd implement it i think um oh, austin wintry did some uh uh some talks about like using um kind of ai modeling or sample modeling to like take recordings of uh live strings and then have them kind of switch up as different things were happening in the game. So I don't know, maybe something like that, but yeah, that'd be super cool. I don't know. (laughs) It probably wouldn't be a regular theater showcase. Yeah. I don't know how you'd change it. Maybe it was something like into the spider verse where it has like scenes that kind of vary from film to film. I'm not sure. I almost want to look, look that up and make sure I'm referencing like the right (laughs) thing. Um, what if you just um, made that name up? <laughs> yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, okay. It is a Black Mirror. Oh, cool. Andrew Snatch, yeah. Okay, all right. I was. It looks like I was right on the title. I'm like, that's a weird title, so I want to make sure I'm just not just like making up words. Yeah. <laughs> Black Mirror has a great soundtrack, by the way, for a lot of their stuff. I've Very only cool. seen like two episodes, actually, but I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's on your recommendation. Well, I, I haven't listened to it in a while either. I'll be honest, but <laughs> okay, from what so I from what I remember, <laughs> yeah. What has been your favorite project to work on so far? Um, hmm, hmm. That's tough. I don't know. Probably, I'd say the one I'm currently on. It's hard. I like things from all of them, but like on Project Timmy, like it's just been, uh, it's. I don't know. It's just been so wonderful, like meeting up with the team every week. And then um, like, yeah, we bounce ideas back and forth, like in real time too. It's not like 
like I have my periods where I'm, you know, like I'll go write a bunch of music for a week and then show it to the team. But like at one of our first meetings, we were trying to figure out the sound of the game. And the way we did it was I like, I just set a bunch of stems in a logic session and I called everyone on Google meets and I was like, okay, I'm going to live remix this track. And then we're all going to vote on which remix sounds the best. So I was just like adding new melodies and soloing different tracks and playing different stuff, like with the team watching me live, which was very nerve wracking, but I wanted to like nail this pitch. And um, yeah, it's just been fun to have that kind of collaborative creative environment, you know, and I'm very proud of all the work that we've been doing on it so that and then um yeah mini metro always hold a special place in my heart too because like collaborating with rich is so much fun and um it i don't know i just um i I could work on it the rest of my life like i really adore doing those little procedural pieces but yeah (laughs) probably those two do you think who you collaborate with changes how you work on the music Oh yeah, totally. I mean, um, well with Rich, it's like, we haven't done like a traditional, like, um, collaboration in the sense where like I'm writing music and he's writing music and we put it together. But, um, so that's more like, I kind of just pitch ideas for mini Metro and he kind of vets them. Um, usually my first one makes it, which is really nice. (laughs) Um, but, um, yeah, but then with like Mark Sparling on like Hillside Daydreams and, um, that was like, I kind of pitched the idea for Sleepy Songs to Mark, and we've been talking about collaborating for two years. And then uh, finally, like one day, he just like sent me a message on Discord, and it was four songs. And he was like, "Hey, I wrote a bunch of stuff in that style that you're talking about. Uh, let me know which one you like the best. Let's do this." And one of them was Hillside Daydreams, like a very early, uh, like minute long version of it. And I uh, pulled my car over and cried <laughs> i thought it was so cool it sounded so good um but um yeah so i, I um <laughs> yeah um so I that was like you. yeah i like um i wrote um i wrote like a new section for him and for that it was like i'd write a section he'd write a section and we'd go back and forth there's a piano breakdown in the middle where it's literally like my melody, Mark's melody, my melody, Mark's melody. And it's so cool. But then um, with Eric on like Windfall and uh, um, and uh, the Boat Buds remix for a short hike, that was like, um, I don't know, Eric and Jesse Badsnax have both said the way that I kind of compose stuff, I think is kind of out there. But um, I kind of sent just like, I don't like picking instruments in the beginning, so I just do everything on piano. So I sent Eric like 20 piano tracks layered over one another. That was like the Boat Buds remix. And to me, it sounded really cool. To him, he's like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Like, I just watched his mind like melt and he's like, what do you expect us to do with this? (laughs) But I was like, no, if you like turn this one to a violin and this one to a viola and whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. But yeah, so with Eric and then with like Jesse, it's more so I just kind of send a bunch of, I send a million ideas and then they kind of help me focus them and whittle them down. And then uh, Eric would add his own stuff and that's how we kind of came up with everything. (laughs) But yeah, it's a little different each time. That sounds like a cool creative challenge, actually, maybe, as a producer to write every, instead of using all the instruments at first, to write it all on piano. Yeah, it's, um, 
I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. It, it helped me get over a lot of writer's block, to be honest, because I, I started out doing uh, a lot of electronic music. Um, and I would make these like hundred track, like four bar loops essentially and be like, oh, I have to like make this saw wave just perfect. And I have to have like the perfect lead and I would be creating all my own synths on it. But then finally I was like, wait, what if I just stop worrying about making synths and I just focus on like actually finishing a song and, um, and like not worry about even what instruments I'm using. So yeah, I just kind of throw a million things on piano and then kind of pick the instruments from there. And that's how I wrote a lot of stuff. <laughs> so well, it's like yeah. the saying limitations breeds creativity, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When I like, I don't know when I used to like, when I was just starting out, I mean, I wanted to be like Skrillex meets Metallica and that's a lofty, weird <laughs> goal. So, but yeah, so I'd be like, okay, here's my death metal guitar part. And then here's my dubstep bass. And like, just even making the dubstep bass, like took me so long. And then by the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to branch out to so many different genres at once. And like, I need to condense it in some way, even writing for a smaller ensemble instead of a full orchestra, like changed my way of writing too. Do you think, yeah. Do you think in the industry that someone instead of exploring exploring various genres that maybe they should focus more on one or maybe a few specific ones? Uh, I don't because I my genres are all over the place. I mean, like my short film stuff, which I, I want more people to be able to see, but I can't post them online while they're in their film festival circuit. But it's a lot of like chiptune and a lot of like really out there ambient weird stuff. But then my feature film stuff is all like full orchestra. And then my spot or like my game stuff right now is procedurally generated ambient music. But then it's like now it's kind of EDM meets chiptune. But then my Spotify, which hasn't come out yet, but then my Spotify stuff is like live orchestra meets indie rock with vocals. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not the, I've had some pop artists that I really look up to tell me that maybe I should focus a bit so that's why in sleepy songs i made it where it's like it it has a bit of everything so it's like it has the live strings it has the vocals and it has the cozy homey synth so i think i think specializing is good but i don't think you should limit yourself because i mean like for the disaster piece discography rich has like over 50 albums which is just unreal and i think has to be some sort of record but going through that there's like he doesn't like when people uh Maybe I'm speaking on his behalf, so I don't... I believe he said this to me before, but he doesn't like being pigeonholed into one genre. So, like, if you listen to It Follows versus Marcel the Shell, like, they're so different (laughs) from one another. It's insane. I think that's cool. So you can make your branding around that, too, that, like, you can do everything. But I think at its heart, you can tell it's disaster piece for everything. I think that's the most important thing. Like, I'd want... At its core, I'd want you to be able to hear any of my music and be like, oh, that's a Max Duggan song. You know, even if it's a different style. Coldplay is really good at that, too, for another example. It's kind of like finding your voice, but with musical styles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) What is a big fear you've had to face as a musician or composer? Oh, big fear I've had to face? Um, hmm. Trying to think. I was so scared to finish a song and to even post a song for a really long time. 
Um, and I had some really wonderful people in my life who like really forced me to start doing that. And that was really helpful. But for the longest time, I felt like nothing I made was ever going to be good enough. And, um, so I, I had literally years where I was working on music all the time and never had a finished track to show anyone. But what kind of broke me through it was, um, uh, I started doing these little like scoring the world pieces on my Instagram where, cause I, I travel a lot. So I would take, um, like take places that I traveled to or take videos of places that I traveled to and then, um, edit them together and to like this, like little 45 seconds, like minute long video usually. And, uh, then I would write a soundtrack to that. And I started posting those on Instagram, I think in like 2018 maybe. And then I noticed people's reactions to that. I'm like, Oh, I don't need to make a full five minute, like, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody type thing. <laughs> with, I like, you know, I just need to make these little songs and they're still songs, you know, and they're still me. So once I did that, it kind of got me over the barrier of like being too afraid to finish a song. And that, yeah, that was, that was a huge detriment. Like if I never got over that, I'd never be able to, I mean, I'd never be able to release anything. So yeah. Well, I started talking about myself for a second, but I feel like yeah, I'm kind of on the opposite side. I feel like sometimes maybe I, I finish a song and I, all I want to do is share it with people. <laughs> no, that's nice. I mean, yeah, I look at your Spotify. You have quite a lot of stuff for like, you know, being early stages. I think that's great. Like, yeah, that's definitely the right mindset to be in because you want to get your stuff out to a lot of people and you want to like keep improving. So I don't know. I, yeah, that's not like a flaw in any way. I think that's wonderful that you have that quality. Are there any separate challenges you've had to face when making your own projects compared to video games? Um, if I'm working on a video game, it's nice because for that and like on films, I have like a director that I'm working with and they'll kind of influence what I'm doing. So, you know, I'll have a prompt and I'll have a deadline. That's the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, someone will be like, oh, you need to write, um, actual directions I've gotten, but like write a magical anime fantasy sounding intro and you have to have it done in like three weeks and it's like okay well shit whatever i come up with then like <laughs> i'll make the most anime thing i can think of at the time and you know whatever i come up with has to be the end result because it needs like i've gotten calls from rich before where he's like oh yeah we need to submit a mini metro map in a week sorry i forgot to talk to you can you like can you do this and i'm like okay yeah so whatever i write then has to be it, you know, but for my own stuff, I'll reiterate on it over and over and over and over. And also no one's telling me like what it's supposed to be. So I'm like, God, this could be anything like, and it has to represent me. So it has to be like personal, you know, so that I can ruminate on over and over and over. I mean, like Cerulean, I was on like, I was reiterating on that for like eight months. I have so many different versions, even on like sleepy songs. Um, like Lavender Lullaby went through so many iterations of like, I, the final version of that, I wrote like a week before the EP was like sent to Spotify. 
just at that same haunted coffee place. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just like, oh, I don't like the, like, I don't know if the regular version's good enough. And I was sending it to all my friends and like, they're like, oh, it's cool. I'm like, I, I feel like it could be better. I don't know. So I, uh, yeah, spent like four hours, wrote a new version and then uh, showed it to my friend Liam. He was like, this is cool. I'm like, okay. And I just sent it straight to Spotify. <laughs> I was like, I need to be done with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually saw you post about it. I saw you talk a little bit about how it went through that many iterations. Oh, yeah, and my little, like, post of the demos and stuff. Yeah, it was, that was a tough one. Yeah, because Hillside, I had Mark um, on it and everything, but Minilog, I did, um, like, yeah, Minilog was done in one take. I literally was messing around on my Minilog analog synthesizer at 6 a.m., and I named the track after that mini log six <laughs> Um So yeah, and planes. I had a lot of wonderful people in my life that I was writing that with, so they're all great motivation to get that done. But yeah, lavender lullaby was the one that's like just me, and I was like, uh, like <laughs> I don't, I don't know what this could be. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I'm glad. Like I'm happy with how everything turned out overall. I saw for your albums too, by the way, which have really good artwork. I was wondering, Thanks. where do you get that kind of artwork from? Do you use any resources for that or anything? Um, really just reaching out to, hmm, I'm trying to think. Let me shout out my friend's Instagrams. Where's my phone? <laughs> um, so if you, um, I met my friend Micah on Reddit. Actually, he did a Porter Robinson, Maddion um, album cover for me. I did this remix like years ago. It was like the first thing I put out. Um, and uh, yeah, I just said I need some artwork on Reddit and he got back to me. His username is astra.night. So for uh, my Porter Maddion artwork, if anyone's found that mashup, uh, my old Spotify artwork, the Windfall EP, and uh, the Shinkansen Piano Version EP and the Sum Evanston, or Shinkansen Piano Version Single Art and the Sum Evanston Beach Cover. That's all uh, Micah Zhang or Astro.Night. And then for Boat Buds, Mini Metro, uh, and um, Where the Planes Become Stars, it's my friend Logan Hamango that I met in college. Um, and then his name is his name on Instagram, H <laughs> I M. A-N-G-O. I want to do these shots. Uh, and then um, uh, this uh, underscore P-A-N-K-0 or Jess, um, she did this game called Usagishima um, that I I did a song for her. And then in return, she did uh, the album art to Hillside Daydreams. So kind of doing music swaps is good. And then my last one for the Sleepy Songs artwork uh, is my friend Cole and his... Uh, Instagram is D-E-F-U-N-C-K-T. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, long story short, I have cool friends who make cool art and I hire them. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone wants to hire people, they're all brilliant. Yeah. I'm so worried I'm missing someone right now, but I think I, I think I covered everyone. <laughs> it's one of those things where when you're done with something, you're like, dang, I should have thought about that. I should have asked that question. <laughs> oh, you know? it's... Um, like when you're done with artwork and stuff or or for like when you when you go through something and afterwards you're like I should have done this instead. 
Oh yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think I got everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's cool how given how many people I've helped you with that can still kind of when you see an artwork from your album, it's kinda of like you can tell it's an album from you. I feel like Oh cool. I feel like yeah, maybe maybe and obviously don't judge a book by its cover, but maybe there's that style has a very important it's very important when it comes to your music, the artwork, and maybe the music can go hand in hand sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I want the artwork, uh, like I said earlier, I want the visuals to be just as impactful as the music. So I like having a cohesive aesthetic for everything and having high quality artwork is super important to me. So we usually go through a lot of iterations and everything. And I guess I... I'm lucky to work with some insanely talented people. Um, like it's, I don't know. It's just been such a fun collaborative process, but um, yeah, I'm glad they all have like a cohesive aesthetic to you and that, that shines through. Cause yeah, I, I really try to put a lot of effort uh, when working on those things. Yeah. We talked before about Fiverr and uh, that's actually where I get all of my <laughs> artwork from, but. Oh yeah. I'm sure you could find cool people in there too. I used yeah. like I I think I told you I used to use that for like live streams and stuff. Now I just have a network of musicians that I use. Which is pretty awesome. (laughs) But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I think there's so many different resources nowadays. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Instagram's great for that stuff. Like Instagram and Reddit are both like, there's so many talented people on there. Even um, for like specific subreddits, r slash imaginary slice of life has so much brilliant artwork on it and like i don't know a lot of people don't think to like reach out to those people which is surprising to me like i see a lot of people posting like i can't find an artist blah blah blah. but it's like they're all right they just go on reddit or instagram like there's so many people right there they are like probably want you to reach out to them you know or even finding people who've done the artwork for like bands you like and albums you like like i know the graphic designers of um uh, not personally, but for like a lot of the artists I like, I know who their graphic designers are. Cause I'm like, I'd like to reach out to them at some point, you know? And then with the algorithms these days, it's like, once you follow one of them, there's hundreds more that are probably a good choice for you too. Yeah, that's true. I, um, yeah, I was doing an album, uh, I called it watercolors for a while. I don't know if I'll ever release it. It was Cerulean, some Evanston Beach were on it, and I had like three more songs. Um, but uh, yeah, so I wanted to be watercolor artwork. And so I just started following. Every time I found like a watercolor artist, I started following it. And now like that is the entirety of my <laughs> Instagram. It is like just watercolor art and then Harry Styles for some reason. I don't even really listen to Harry Styles. I don't know why. But <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how it's kind of scary in a way how good it can get. <laughs> it's Instagram, I find, is like it kind of like I liked as it was, and I listened to that on repeat a lot. And then all of a sudden, my Instagram is just like Harry Styles music oh, really? over and over. Yeah, which, but TikTok like reaches into the depth of your subconscious <laughs> and like pulls out like things from your childhood that you weren't even thinking. I don't know. TikTok's <laughs> like that algorithm's insane to me. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I've never actually been that into TikTok. Like everyone, me my, neither. Yeah. Everyone around my age is pretty into it, but I just can't get into it. Yeah, it's 
I don't feel the addictive quality to it as much. Reddit, I could get sucked into for five hours if I don't stop myself. <laughs> like, it's really, it's really and bad. And there's so much to learn from it, too. I think that's why. Yeah, I and like so many interesting stories from people too. Like, I don't know. I could read like even just ask Reddit alone. Like, there's so much you learn about life from it, and like, I don't know. God, yeah, I've had to delete it so many times. <laughs> I'm like, I, I will read the entirety of a thread. Yeah, but yeah, TikTok. I haven't felt the same pull. I don't know why. It just feels like too. I still use it, and I should use it more, but it feels too in your face to me. It kind of just hurts my head after a while, but yeah. Yeah, there's some funny stuff too, though, but... There's kinda... a dude... Oh, sorry. I was kind of like, what? No, no, go ahead. I actually forgot what I was going to say. Oh, it's okay. I, I, well, when I've hit the point where, like, I think there's a guy called, like, Stacking Toads or something, and all he does is, like, go in his backyard and just grab a bunch of toads, like, really? literal toads, and just stack them on top of each other, and he, like, has goals for how many he can stack... And then, like, this one guy who's been, like, I wish I knew his name, but he's just been, like, feeding the same seagull for, like, I think 500 days now. And oh. every day he posts him feeding the seagull and, like, their bond. And now the seagulls had babies. <laughs> so you get to know the babies. And, like, the seagull's name is Steven, I think. And the <laughs> seagull's kid is named Chip, I'm pretty sure. But, like, I'll... I'll There's watch more. that until three in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's when I know I need to reevaluate my priorities. <laughs> yeah. Everyone does it sometimes. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anyone who wants to start getting into music, what would you tell them? Oh, like music in general or games or Yeah. Um, hmm. Huh. I probably like music in general. I think just playing songs you love as opposed to like a lot of teachers will kind of push you on like you need to know music theory and practice all practice all these like jazz standards or whatever and stuff, which is great if you want to go that route. I wouldn't knock anyone who does that. But I think like what really got me into music was when it, like a teacher was like, hell yeah, I'll teach you Metallica. Like and I was like, OK, cool. This is way better. <laughs> um, so like I'd say. Trying to learn music you love and then focus on fundamentals later. I think that's my goal for general music. For games, I mean, there's so much. I would say just, like, make sure that you're networking just as much as you're writing. Don't don't neglect either of those. So make sure that, like, you're actively releasing music and finishing pieces and working on your craft, but also make sure that you're going to industry events and that you're meeting people and you're putting your stuff out there and... Um, cause I think a lot of people neglect the business side of things and then it makes it harder for them to find projects. And then a lot of people who really focus on the business side of things, stop writing music. And it's like, you have to work on both. I've gone through phases of focusing on one or the other too. So that's a hard thing to balance, but that'd be my kind of general advice. I think. Also, by the way, going back to what you said about growing up, listening to a lot of Metallica and all that stuff. I don't know if you've seen yeah. an interview with Eric Barone, the developer of Stardew Valley. He actually talked about yeah. how he was really into metal too. So it's kind of oh, really? Yeah, it's really interesting to yeah. see someone in a in a similar field, both like the same stuff. Mark Sparling says the same. We were like on a call a while back, and he was uh, showing me like uh, some metal bands, 
and stuff and he was just like um i just like i love the aggression of this guitar i'm like i would not expect that from the dude who wrote the short sunday <laughs> he's like the i want to see a metal kind of that soundtrack by the way oh awesome. yeah that'd be sick yeah <laughs> and he's like the nicest most wholesome dude you will ever meet but yeah he like um he was super into like crazy uh metal stuff too so yeah it's been like it's weird how people make that transition i've seen it with a lot of people i don't know yeah i don't know what it is i think one of my favorite bands is tool oh yeah what are your favorite bands from metal for metal I shouldn't say, I mean, it is more like Metallica, Rush, Van Halen. I guess I would call that more like rock than metal, but those were like the big three for me growing up. Um, I really love some stuff from like the Contortionist, like this, their song Flourish, if you've ever, is just like godly. Um, but yeah, for like that kind of guitar inspiration, it was more, yeah, more of them. Um, and then I started transitioning to like, well, my uncles are in a band called Medina Lake and they're, a uh, they're a rock band that like has, um, they're not, they're definitely not as heavy as like a band like Metallica or something, but I grew up like, uh, they're writing music with like the Smashing Pumpkins and touring with Linkin Park and stuff. So like all those bands I got really into. Um, and that was like kind of my foundation for, uh, uh, for like learning guitar until I found Tudor Cinema Club and then it changed everything. And I'm like, I am going to be an indie rock person <laughs> and ditched all of that. <laughs> but, You're still indie at least. You kept that part of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what made me into like indie rock stuff. I wasn't like, like I said, I wanted to be like Skrillex meets Metallica, you know, for a long time. But then I heard the album Tourist History by them. And, uh, yeah, they just had like the coolest melodies and all these like crazy lead guitarists and like ways I hadn't really heard guitar used before. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure like I'm channeling some of the guitar stuff in some of the like dark EDM stuff that's on like the new like stuff with the Femoral Cube, like the new soundtrack I've been working on. But um, I would like to come full circle one day and like really throw out like a Metallica Van Halen type <laughs> soundtrack. I think that'd be sick. So I don't know what game would give me that, like, or where that style would work. Maybe if I worked on, like, Doom or something. <laughs> but I think I think it'd be sick. So I, I think maybe even a Metroidvania <laughs> with a metal soundtrack could be sick. Yeah. Or, like, a Halo type thing. Yeah, yeah. I sure. think, yeah. Halo's, like, yeah, I adore Halo so much. But yeah, maybe someday. One of my favorite things about this podcast is getting new new names of artists that i've never heard of oh yeah yeah i could send you a list of some stuff too i don't know uh, why yeah but if you i grew up listening to mostly soundtracks so now oh yeah i've been i've been going more into like this field of bands and musicians and it's just really cool to learn about these people yeah postal service tudor cinema club death cab for cutie the sundays um they're like yeah, they're all incredible. Um, so like yeah, definitely. Service. Yeah, if you like Postal Service, you'll probably like Tudor Cinema Club. You'll probably like the Sundays um, and stuff. But um, uh, yeah, for electronic stuff like Flume too, of course. I mean, everyone knows Flume, but if you haven't delved deep into that scene, he's so good. And like Zed, like Clarity by Zed made me buy Logic when I was fifteen. Like that I was obsessed. Oh yeah, I literally I. It was so, um, 
I was so into that song, I would listen to it on repeat. I had like an eight-hour flight, and it was just the song's clarity and spectrum, practically, <laughs> that I listened to the whole time. My friends would call radio stations and have them play clarity for me, and people would tweet like, hashtag clarity for Max Duggan. <laughs> and I, uh, I flew out to L.A. for the 10th anniversary of that album because uh, Zed was performing it with a 50-piece orchestra. Wow. <laughs> it was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. I went by myself. I told... Some friends wanted to go. I'm like, no, this is like a spiritual experience for me. <laughs> so I'll let you know how it is or we can sit separately. But like, no, I need this. Yeah. By the way, listening of- to, to some of your favorite artists live is an experience that most of the time you never forget. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, Porter does his uh, second Sky Festival where he I don't I, I'm have you heard of that before yeah, sure, definitely. and yeah I am um, by the way yeah his, his live shows are beautiful he does like a whole sh- yeah he does a whole performance basically and there's all these lights and it's just so cool yeah it's unbelievable I mean for anyone listening Second Sky is like Porter Robinson's curated festival where he has like a bunch of his friends and like artists in his scene on um and um yeah I mean they're like Porter Robinson donuts and like a Porter Robinson bar, like I was joking with Rich and Akash, they're like, you need to get like a Porter burger when you get there. And then I sent them a selfie. They had Porter Robinson hamburgers with oh like his gosh. logo on it. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, they, we were laughing so hard. But um, yeah, like, I don't know. Those like, I mean, some of the best experiences of my life, I would say, would be like seeing the Postal Service live and Death Cab live and also seeing Porter Live and that Zed concert. I don't know. I've, yeah, like it's hard to pick my favorite. There have been so many good ones. Do you think that listening to music live versus digitally or anywhere else changes the way you listen to it? Huh. I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I guess there's some songs that I like the live versions of that I didn't like the studio versions of as much. And then once I saw them live, I gained a newfound appreciation for them. So it's kind of shaped the way that I've experienced things. And then also, like, I think you can kind of elevate the caliber of how you feel about a song, too. Because, like, I um, I was at, like, I think it was Lollapalooza in Chicago years ago. I saw Porter live, and his set got rained out, and they had to cancel it. But before it got rained out, he was playing, like, Divinity and Fresh Static Snow, which, like, the live edit of Fresh Static Snow is this just crazy, like, hellish, bassy. Thing, and like there is lightning shooting down like behind the stage while these drops were I hitting see that. And it, yeah it was oh my god dude it was like i mean divine like i yeah so i don't ever since i'm like if i hear like that version of fresh static snow like the live, i think of that night and so yeah you get these new memories with them which is fun <laughs> would you recommend learning more than one instrument for composers yeah, I think uh, I think obviously pick the one that you're comfortable with first. Um, but I don't know. I grew up on guitar, and that was like that was my main thing. I started that when I was eight years old, I believe. And then I started piano in like middle school, and I'm not great <laughs> at piano. Um, but like knowing that gave me such a foundation for composing music. And like so many MIDI controllers are piano ones. Like I don't see many people using like a guitar MIDI controller to like write with Ableton or Logic or anything. So I think that's a great one when it comes to composing. But yeah, I wish I learned drums. I would like to learn drums someday. And then like, yeah, I think learning cello or something would have been great too. So I know the more that you 
I don't know. I think the individual instruments that you learn kind of really go into your kind of your identity as an artist. Cause like, you know, someone like Philip Shepard who did like the Detroit become human soundtrack, like he writes so much on cello and so many of yeah. those songs are like cello loops and everything. And he can like shred on it live. And it's just like emotional and like beautiful and insane. So like, I don't know, it can really change the way you write music when you learn certain instruments you just brought a lot of nostalgia back to me because in i think in middle school i was in middle school when detroit become human was out and oh I, really yeah i have so much how just, old are you i'm you 18 you're oh really i'm 25 i thought we were like the same age <laughs> really? yeah um oh. yeah i was gonna say i thought i was in college when that came out was i, or, I what year did it come out 2018 i'm not sure i would have been in college in 2018 yeah. Anyway, sorry. What were you saying? Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> I think it was middle school, maybe like the last year of middle school for me. But I would listen to that soundtrack all the time, and it just it made me cry so much. It was. Beautiful. It's so good. Yeah, Cars theme. It's and the fact that they got like three different composers to do it too, and they're all so talented. Yeah, it was like, oh, it's amazing. I was playing that game and Life is Strange at like the same time for like the kind of narrative choose your own adventure. And Life is Strange. That's like the ones. One game I know that maybe before your eyes, if you've seen that, kind of delves yeah. into this territory. Yeah, um, but like they're doing the indie rock game composer thing, and I'm like, that's it. That's what I like. <laughs> you call me don't for not. A Life is strange game. Oh, thank you. That's a huge <laughs> compliment. Yeah, I would. Uh, I don't know. I I want to. Wait, Ubisoft runs Ubisoft and Donut. Tell them to call me. I would love to do that so badly. Yeah, it'd be so cool. I would if I knew them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Are there any other games in that category you'd want to compose for? In that category? Like Life I don't know many. I don't know many in that category, to be honest. If people have recommendations, I'd like to hear them um but uh it's like that choose your own adventure game kind of feeling i think maybe undertale kind of fits that yeah i would say it's it's a little different i mean well in like the way the pacifist mode versus like the genocide mode will like affect your story and everything but yeah not to the like same degree that like detroit become human is i don't know i've never that's those are kind of standalone titles that i liked in that genre like i think the more the ones that stand out to me the most are like uh rpgs like pokemon or zelda um and then like uh i yeah really love halo but like the cozy indie game sphere of like a short hike um that i think that would be kind of my main focus when it comes to that or like games i'd really like to write for like that's my favorite genre to work in right now nice but yeah <laughs> Well, I think that's going to sum up today's interview. Yeah. Thank you so much this for joining me today. Yeah, it no, thank so you for having me. You. Yeah, great meeting you too, finally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we, actually, cool. we chatted a little bit before the interview. We, yeah, we on Instagram. <laughs> music and stuff. And it, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. This has been great. Well, thank you everyone for watching. This has been episode six of Melody Makers. I'm Nolan Brewer. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.